Welcome to Sports Business Secrets. I'm your host, Kevin Tarka. This podcast is specifically designed to share secrets from experts in the sports business world to help you along your own path to success in this industry. Each episode is packed with lessons and insights that never expire. You'll hear from general managers of professional teams to CEOs of sports tech companies to agents, coaches, players, and everything in between. I invite you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing players and coaches, traveling the world, and always finding a way to battle through obstacles in this competitive industry. Alrighty, my friends, we are picking up right where we left off yesterday. If you're listening to this for the first time, this is part two of what makes a successful club abroad. So uh, if you want to listen to part one, scroll back to yesterday's episode to hear the first and second characteristics. And today we're moving on to the third and fourth characteristics of what I believe makes a successful club abroad. So number three, unconditional support from ownership. I'll say it again, unconditional and in most times hands-off support from ownership. As I mentioned before, and you've probably heard, most teams, professional teams abroad, don't make money. So if that's the case, you're wondering, well, if they don't make money, how does this even e- season even exist? Like, where does that money come from? And the answer to that is most times it's from ownership. And it could be ownership or, in other words, um, uh, a decision maker from like a big-time sponsor who essentially act as an o- acts as an owner in terms of funding the operations and making or at least being in a position to potentially make some decisions. Uh, you know, they get the, the, the sponsor on, on the jersey and as the team name. Uh, but ownership usually means someone who writes a check. It means somebody who, who invests money uh, to pay the expenses of the team. Sometimes that means it's personal money. Sometimes it's a hobby. Sometimes it's someone who simply loves hoops. Sometimes it's a, it's a marketing budget from a corporation. Like I said, you know, that wants to have that name on the jersey. But anyway, you look at it, it requires an influx of cash or capital investment. And very often, that person who writes that check has some, some decision-making authority because they, they're the reason why the club is funded. So that means if the, if the team needs something to get approved financially, they have to get their signature. And back to the title of the episode, there's a reason why I say unconditional support. So this is also just an extension of number two and oh. All four of these characteristics and values intertwine with each other and they're very important. They go hand in hand. But let's pretend that we're going over the budget with the owner on June 1st, okay? So we're heading into, into the summer free agency uh, and the summer season and ownership says, uh, okay, here's the budget. We have $1 million that we're allocating and we're giving to you for the 2023-2024 season. Obviously, remember this is a generic situation I'm going to be walking through. Ideally, there's you know, many, many sponsors and, and, and the ownership is broken down, not just by one person or one main sponsor, but many. But for the sake of this example, you got one owner and he says, here's a million dollars. So you start going over the line items. And before we actually go into that, I'm just going to do a small little tangent on the NBA uh, overview. Remember, NBA to abroad is like apples to oranges, but sometimes it's good to generally think about how the NBA uh, functions uh, from a business model perspective just so you can understand. So talking about player salaries in the NBA, the NBA has a salary cap, which is technically a soft cap, but that's a story for another day. But it's calculated by projecting the future revenue, uh, which is called basketball-related income. 
That's league revenue. So television media rights, uh, uh, tickets, sponsorship. You have licensing. You have digital and social media partnership. You have video game licensing now. You have, um, uh, I don't even know if I said merch yet. You have, you have obviously NBA licensed merch uh, and team merch. You have NBA league pass. You have, I mean, even little things. You, you can go down and, and, and read in the CBA that a percentage of, of, of gate receipts from parking. If you've ever been to an NBA game at a stadium and you've parked and you've paid cash, you've paid whatever, part of that is included in basketball-related income. So they take that total number and they multiply that revenue number by 44.74%. And then they, they subtract some benefits and then they divide that number by 30 teams which gives you the amount that each team is allowed to spend on players and again i go back and forth between the cba and and refreshers many times because it's it's crazy in depth there's a reason why not many people uh, understand it it's 600 plus pages but if you're interested go it's article 7 on page 131 of the new cba but the point here is with this nba stuff for you to start realizing okay well they base what they're paying the salary of players on what they make revenue-wise. So they project revenue that's going to come in the door, and part of the expenses is a percentage of that, right? 44.74 minus some other stuff. Um, uh, Sorry, 44.74% of the revenues that come in um, minus some, some benefits. So obviously... They're bringing in more revenue than they are spending out. That should be common sense. But that's the line right there. I guess I could have said that earlier and saved the whole tangent is with the NBA, and we can all agree that the NBA is a pretty sustainable league and and they're a pretty healthy league for the most part. They base the salary that the players make off off of a percentage of revenue that comes in. So what is the percentage of player salaries to revenue abroad? Well, besides being very difficult to calculate because every market's different and just about no teams uh, share financial statements publicly or or likely uh, truthful or accurate financial statements if they do um, but yeah some places they they some some clubs pay i don't know 80 to 90 percent of all revenue that comes in is to player salaries uh, that might be a little bit high but it's true it happens some places not all but let's just say it's 50 to 60% or let's stick with 50% for an example I'm going to go through. That's that's still pretty high. So 50%. Um, and if we keep going with that, let's let's just give an example of that million dollar budget. 500,000 of that would be for player salaries. And then 500,000 for everything else from uh, administration and staff uh, to to you know like the coach and the gm and maybe some marketing people or videographers or trainers or doctors or whatever they got to pay for um and then also obviously travel expenses are in that five hundred thousand, which is probably the majority you know you got gear you got uniforms you got sports performance stuff you have foam rollers and membership to the gym and players apartments and all this stuff right so back to the point if you have proper communication when you're going over this budget and you have transparency with the people that make the decisions and inject the capital and proper documentation and meetings, there shouldn't be an issue on paper, right? In theory. Now, obviously things happen during the year that are out of your control that you did not plan for. For example, COVID or God forbid, potential injuries of players. 
that's going to bring some unexpected costs. Sure. I mean, you can even build that in if you want to. But outside of that, as an owner, you, you need to give unconditional support to allow that basketball operations staff to do what they do best and have the resources needed to win basketball games. Now, the resources needed to win basketball games is going to be defined by differently by different owners. Uh, but if you go over the budget and you say this is what you're willing to do, here's the money and go do it. You ho- hopefully, you had a you, you know you have a relationship with the coach and the GM and the, and the basketball people that you brought in to win games if that's your goal, and let them do what they do best. It's 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 leadership and managing people 101. Uh, let the experts do the expert stuff. If you try to micromanage or if you just because you have the decision making power to to do so as an owner. Um, it's, it's just, it's not going to be good because you'll hear oftentimes the horror stories of a team losing a game and the owner coming in and saying, Hey, I don't like that. We lost three games in a row. You're, you know, to the players, you're not getting your salary for a couple of weeks. We're going to see, you know, we're going to see if that incentivizes you like that brings a whole, all sorts of other issues to the table. But, uh, another example could be owners saying like, like the example, here's $500,000 for players and here's the budget. And then something happens in their main business, for example, if it's a corporation or, or, or a brand that's a sponsor, and they say, you know, look, we need to cut that marketing budget. So instead of 500000 we can only give you three hundred fifty. So you're going to have to change something. That's, that leads to disaster. Um, not only based on the budget, obviously, uh, but speaking about strategy, a strategy is put into place as a byproduct of the amount of money allocated towards certain things. So if you want to break that down a step further here, uh, let's just say you're in a league that has three imports, okay? So that 500000 if it's a high-level high league, um, maybe you want to do a certain amount for, for local players and then a certain, certain amount allocated towards imports. So maybe you do... Uh, $300,000 for the local players. You have 10 local players making $30,000 a year to make it easy. And you say that $200,000 for for the import players. So then you say, okay, well, we can go get three players in the market for $66,666 each, which is going to equate to that allocated budget. Or we can space them out and sign guys at different points during the year. Or we can do one or two top players and then one backup player. Or we can spend the majority of that on the best player who's going to help us win games. Uh, and then we can allocate the rest to the other two. So there's different strategy, strategy that is put into place. And so let's say it becomes July 1st. And you already had four weeks of, of analyzing and, and, and discussing with ownership and coaching staff and scouts. And you go find yourself a center position for $100,000 for one of the imports. That's half of the 200,000 allocated, right? So you have 100,000 left. But you feel great about it. It's maybe you overpaid a little bit, but you know that this center, there's no one like him. He's going to be versatile and he's going to bring a lot of things, a lot of things to the table to help you win games. Then on July 28th, you know, at the end of the month you say, "Look, we have a point guard. I like this guy. Uh you have some ball handlers, but you want to import to be your starting point guard and you want that position. So you find a guy who you love that, again, maybe, I don't know, maybe you pay him uh, a little bit under um, the the average, but it's a guy that you have a relationship with for whatever reason and he wants to come play for you. Cool. So this point guard gets 60000 That leaves $40,000. And you want to keep that $40,000 to see how things shake out in October or November. 
and see if some guys are left on the market looking for an opportunity that you could find valuable. And, and that way you can kind of get through the first couple months of the season, see how the team uh, plays with each other and reacts, and, uh, and, and, and you build your strategy based on that. So we can, we can break it down um, you know, a, a, a lot further, obviously, the whole budget, but I keep going back to communication through this process, and I walked you through that step. So let's say... October 15th rolls around and, uh, and you, you hear that someone's available and you said, Oh, look like this player's available. And for whatever reason, we can sign this third import for 35,000 or 40,000, the budget that we had, which originally wouldn't have, wouldn't, would not have supported that, that move, or you wouldn't be able to afford him. Uh, or God forbid someone gets hurt, right? And you need to get someone quick. So then you go get that signature from the ownership and they say, uh, yes, sorry, we don't, we don't, nah, we don't have that money anymore. So personally, first of all, when stuff like this happens, I, I tend to, uh, to lose it. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, it's just obviously a lack of communication, but unprofessionalism and poor leadership from the ownership and, um, you know, just like, what are we doing? And, and unfortunately this happens so often. Um, you know, like I, I just go back to the NBA example, obviously it's very, very different and, uh, very different product in certain certain markets too. But like, can you imagine if 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 uh, you know the Boston Celtics said that they're like, yeah, you know, like mm, I know that we allocated a certain player amount of the salary cap, but we just don't feel like it, and we're not going to give you that money anymore. It's like, yeah, that would never happen. It's like a it's like a scripted um, sitcom, right? Uh, but it happens, right? So yeah, y- y- you might be thinking. I, uh, you know, well, either ownership has no idea what they're doing or they don't understand basketball strategy or they just don't care or any combination of the above, which, yeah, it, it usually is a combination of those things. So now, you know, after that kind of, I thought it was going to be brief, but in-depth example of going through the budget, why it's so important that um, obviously communication is existent, but also that all parties do what they say they're going to do. And back to number three, Ultimately, the ownership or final decision makers say what they're going to do, but they have a hands-off, supportive approach on the basketball decisions. Because if they're not basketball people and that's not their role, leave it with the people who were hired to do that. So, moving on to the last one. This might be a little bit shorter, hopefully, because I don't want to uh, continue to make uh, super long episodes. These are supposed to be kind of generic, short and sweet. But number four is... And definitely last but not least, but you have to have players that just buy into the team culture and the goals. So uh, I will I will be the first to tell you to start this one off is that, yes, this is a job. This is this is these are people's you know careers and livelihoods and paychecks. And this is the money that players use and coaches and GMs and agents. They use to feed their families. And sometimes you do need to be selfish and you do need to go get go get yours on the court because the pro basketball world is a cold industry. And 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 yes, results speak. Um, oftentimes, so if you are a bit selfish sometimes and you, and you end up going to get yours and proving you're the best player on the court, like, yeah, if you're a leading scorer, like, that could help. It could definitely be helpful for your exposure and next level, but that's not always what helps your career, so you need to keep that awareness as you're going to, in quote, get yours. Um, more importantly, that's rarely how teams win championships, if you average 25 points a game because you take all the shots and you're the leading scorer, hoping that's going to get you out of this league to the next level, but you win 25% of your games and you miss the playoffs, that's not good for you. It's not going to work out in most cases. Um, t- 
team goals and team culture matters. Is it a bit corny sometimes battling with your brothers and going, you know, going to war together and team bonding? And yeah, yes, it is. But it matters. It really does matter. Because it's a long season. And as a player, if you don't have the mindset to buy into what coach is saying, to be a good leader, to be a good teammate, uh, to understand the market you're in and the role that you play and the role that the local guys play and um, other things like that, then you're going to hurt yourself in the long term because if you just go into practice, uh, I don't care if you're an import or a local player, and you think you're the man and you walk around with too much swag and, and think everything revolves around you, it might get you some points on the board or, or, or on your stats. You might win some games, but at what cost? Do your teammates think you're an asshole? Do people enjoy playing with you? Are you a positive energy guy or do you just walk around with you know, shitty body language and, and you know, you know, you're, you're the man, right? And then you know, I know that there's some people out there that don't agree with me and some, some people might be saying, well, hey, Kevin, did you watch The Last Dance? Do you know Michael Jordan? What about him? He was a dick. Okay, yes, yes, I did, first of all. I watched it and I had the privilege of hearing about those stories and, and, and how he was as a teammate when I was in college because Scott Burrell was my... Uh, assistant coach at Quinnipiac University. So yeah, he, he, he did tell us, I get it. He's, 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 you know, he's different, right? Um, he, you know, Coach Burrell told us stories about the way that Michael um, um, brought him, Scott along um, uh, personally and, and, and led him and, and, you know, taught him and the way that he, uh, you know, he, he carried himself with body language and his leadership. And even though he demanded a lot and talked shit, he was also... A, a, a huge proponent proponent of believing in team goals and and you know what it takes to win championships. So, yes, I did see that. But but second of all, here, I, I I understand Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant might be labeled as those guys that are tough guys and maybe sometimes dicks on the court. But let's just make sure we're on the same page here. When you become Michael Jordan and you become Kobe Bryant. Uh, and you become LeBron James and all the all-stars and, and whoever can do that, cool, call me. Come talk to me then, and, uh, and you can tell me I'm wrong. Michael Jordan, if you're listening, cover your ears during this section because you get a pass for this. But if you're not, humble yourself. And back to what I was saying, you have to buy into the goals, and you have to put your, 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 your pride aside and balance that with, yeah, you gotta be, you know, you got to be the best. You do have to be very good as an individual player. Um, but uh, basketball season's everywhere. They've become longer and longer and, and more demanding physically, mentally, emotionally. And if you're not enjoying the process, if you're not brought in, uh, excuse me, bought in to what the team is all about, if you're not coachable, it's going to be a long journey for you. It really is, right? If you, if, you, if you go into, like if a team demands you coach little kids basketball clinics once a week and you're not about it, don't sign there. If your coach is a half-court oriented coach, X's and O's guys, uh, that X's and O's type of set play guy and all you want to do is go 100 miles per hour up and down and you play best at a higher pace that's fine don't sign there if you have a different set of goals and strategies in the club and your coach and your teammates go to a different place because it's going to be tough for you to win and tough for you to have fun so yeah I mean look here there's there's so many different variables that I can discuss throughout the process of going to 41 uh, different countries um, and experiencing the way that teams win. Um, I haven't experienced it all, but I do have a, a good amount of experience. And, and these four seem to come back over and over and over again. Number one, leadership that has a combination of business and basketball experience. 
Number two, transparency and communication between all stakeholders. And then today's number three and four, number three, hands off and unconditional support from ownership. And, and the last but not least, players that buy into the team culture and goals. So that's what I got for you. Um, I, uh, I continue to enjoy this, this process and journey myself because these, these four things are staples that I'm going to bring with me when I run a team. And, 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 and when I own a team, again, that I mentioned last, last episode, when I own a team, yeah, sure, maybe there will be some things if, if my role is to be a basketball hands-on guy, but if I'm just an ownership guy or signing off on a budget guy, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm hiring someone to make those decisions. So all these little things go into you know, my, my learning and my, my vision. And yeah, I'm really freaking pumped to be able to make some of those decisions and, and be a part uh, in a different role eventually, whenever that time comes. But for now, one day at a time, exploring different places around the world, and, uh, and that's what I got for you. So always happy to have these conversations with people. If you think I'm an idiot and all these things are wrong or you have a different perspective, hit me up, send me a message. I'd love to have a chat. Have a good one. Thanks again for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed the episode or if it brought you any value at all, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you share it on social media, make sure you tag me at Kevin Tarka. If there are any topics that you want me to dive into or any guests you'd love for me to have on the show, just shoot me a message and I will do my best to make it happen. Have an amazing day and hope to see you back here soon.